0: Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back today to bring you another amazing episode of Business Unveiled. And I am so excited to talk to the CEO of the International Trademark Association. Now, if you don't know what that is, You got to stay on for the whole time and especially for those of us who are creatives and we're not really in all into like the jargon of what this actually means and how important it can be, but actually have a crazy trademark story from years ago that I had done a video tip series on no BS planning, which stood for no bridal stress and it was videos about how to not be stressed when planning a wedding and then i got this letter in the mail that was like no bs is trademarked by blah 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 and i'm like wait what i didn't know. so i actually had to hire an attorney and i mean it turned out good because i actually ended up learning from the no bs guy so it ended up being great and then i ended up getting out of that industry but you don't realize how important trademarks can be and for your brand and for your company until something happens. And so today, we actually get to talk to the CEO of this amazing association. And so I want to bring on Etienne Sans de Sado. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Um, very well. Thank you very much, Angela, for having me today. Very happy to talk to you.
0: Yes. And I'm super excited because you're going to be talking with us today all about building a brand and really the keys to success because, It's changing and it's people think that they're like, oh my God, starting a business. It's so easy because you have all these free social media outlets. And I'm like, well, I started my first business when social media did not exist. And it actually seems harder today to figure out like, where do I spend my money? Where do I market? Where do I put my content? And so I'm excited to hear from someone who actually like is in the nuts and bolts of like building a brand but before we even kick off to that and talk about your journey to becoming the CEO of the International Trademark Association take us back to way back when like what did you go to school for what what interested you like how did you end up where you are today if you take us down that journey. Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GST leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert. Tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my favorite platforms, Kajabi. So stop trading your time for money. Kajabi provides digital entrepreneurs an all-in-one platform which enables you to create a life of freedom on your terms, whatever that may be. Everything is housed under one platform. So there's really no need for multiple services. Kajabi really has all of the tools that you need in one place. If you're looking for a home to share your knowledge and build online courses, you have a community of like minded people with proven success in selling knowledge online. And the support with Kajabi is amazing. Give it a try today. B-I-T dot L-Y slash A-P Kajabi.
1: All right. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a big question. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, half French, half Spanish. I'm currently based in New York where we're headquartered. And uh, I have a legal background. Uh, I practice as a lawyer and uh, back in, in Europe, back in Spain. And before that, well, I got a kind of dual education, both French and Spanish system um and well that's that's basically it i'm a big you know sports fan and uh and i love living here in new york which is a wonderful city
0: that's awesome and so like as you grew up did you know like i want to be a lawyer i want to go to Hmm. law school like was that the path that you had always had in mind
1: no, not really. Not really. You know, I, I, I think I wanted to be a doctor. And then I okay. realized that I wasn't that good, you know, to, uh, <laughs> to study, you know, the subjects I would need to become a doctor. And, and then I was more and more intrigued by, you know, lawyers and kind of politicians and diplomats. And I said, all right, I'm going to go for that. And this is basically what I did. So I studied my law degree. I did go to Brussels, where you have, you know, all the headquarters of the European Union. I did a kind of LLM there, and then I started practicing law. And little by little, I was, you know, uh, directed into um, competition law and then intellectual property law and therefore trademarks.
0: Okay. It's it's just, it's so interesting. How did you get involved with the Trademark Association? Were you just a member and then... You were very active there, and then you got asked to be the CEO. Like, how did all that happen?
1: Well, that was uh, an interesting story. I mean, the the International Trademark Association is the biggest brand owners organization worldwide. We're 7,200 organizations or 32,000 individuals from 190 countries. And basically, you know, the mission of the association is to get better laws to protect consumers and to protect brand owners. As a result of that, the organization has a lot of interaction with governments, with IP offices, like the USPTO or the European IP office. And at the time, I was part of the European IP office. I was working for them. And I got to know um, INTA. And at the time, they you know, were looking for a candidate for you know, the CEO position. And one of the presidents of the association at the time approached me and said, you know, Etienne, I would see you perhaps in that position. You might want to consider applying. And so he kind of planted a seed. And obviously, you know, it had its effects. Uh, I decided to apply for the position. It was a very long and very professional selection procedure. And and I finally got hired. And now it's kind of, you know, six years and a half that I've been, you know, CEO of the uh, of the International Trademark Association.
0: So do you still practice law and have clients nope. as well? Just this, nope. you focus on no, this? No, no, not at it. all. Gotcha, not at all. Gotcha. So I'm just wondering like, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, when you think about starting a business that, especially in the creative world, like we don't, some of us don't even think, I never even thought about, I didn't even know what a trademark attorney did until I like, oh shit, like needed one. And so, and it's like, I didn't do it out of trying to copy someone else. And so why do you think that is? Why do you think that entrepreneurs don't think of it first, and it's like they think of it last, and like why is that?
1: Well, I think, you know, probably it's, it's a, an issue within our education system that we do not educate the younger generation on the need to uh, be able to identify yourself in the market. I mean, let's put it this way. Instead of talking about trademarks, let's talk about brands. And the way I see it is a brand to a company is the same as a name to an individual. You cannot go out there without a name. As a company, as an entrepreneur, you cannot start a business, an idea, without having a brand. Right. And this is as simple as that. Unfortunately, that's something that is clearly, you know, not shared with, you know, in our educational system, we do not talk enough about that. And I can even share with you, I remember when I did my MBA, you know, we had to introduce ourselves. And at the time I was working for the European IP office. And so I had to explain that I was, you know, a kind of civil servant that I was working for the administration and that I was working into trademarks. So they were kind of, you know, what is this? And I had to explain to them, I had to say, listen, you know, when you start a business plan, when you're thinking about developing an idea, first thing you need to do is to register your ideas or to register your brands.
0: And do people look at you like, what, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> no, I think, you know, more and more, I think more and more entrepreneurs are getting that point And they're getting the fact that, you know, they need to, they need to show that they have something different from others and they need to differentiate themselves. And the only way to do that is through a brand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really, I'm so glad, like, over the last few years, like branding has become so important. It's such a big thing because when I started there, I, I just, I didn't know what a brand was. I mean, social media still, you know, didn't exist yet, but I really experienced brand confusion by opening up multiple companies and not aligning with exactly what I wanted to do and just saying yes to everything. And so it actually really shocks me how some of the people that we've even worked with, especially in the luxury wedding business, they do this for fun. And so they don't even have a business license. They don't pay taxes. They definitely don't have a trademark. Um, but it's like, they, they kind of have a brand and they have social media and the brand is the name, but it's not really a business. And so I don't think that people understand because they're just trying to help people be creative and have fun. But if something unfortunate were to happen, which they're, I mean, doing these large productions, there have been some unfortunate things happen and you've got to have a business license. You've got to have insurance. You've got to have these things if you're going to be dealing with people's money and emotions. And so I'm just wondering, like, on all these lists that, the these business checklists that, that a lot of coaches put out, I don't always see trademark your brand, trademark your company, trademark your logo. So can you talk us through, like, what's the difference between trademarking your name um, of your company versus like trademarking the logo of your brand? Because that's two different things, right?
1: Well, yes to no. I mean, they're both trademarks. And, you know, a trademark can be a name. A trademark can be a logo. a trademark can be a figurative element. So, you know, there are, you know, combination of letters, numbers, uh, symbols, all that can be trademarks. And for any business, for any entrepreneur starting It's extremely important that, you know, you go out with, you know, an an identity that will make you different from your competitors and will allow, you know, potential customers, consumers to identify you on the spot.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, I think to me, whenever I got this letter in the mail and I'm like, Oh my God, like I have to hire an attorney to like help me. I was like, this is going to be so expensive. And how much is this going to cost? And like, I don't even know what this means. So if, if business owners are listening today and, and I know all of you listening, don't have your stuff trademarked. I know you don't. Um, what is the easiest way for people to go about this?
1: Well, I mean, the, the best way to approach it is, you know, they should go to the USPTO website. And it's a very informative website that is going to really explain, you know, what is a trademark? What is a pattern, What is a design pattern. But here we're really talking about trademarks. What is a trademark? What does it stand for? How can you protect your trademarks? How can you enforce your trademarks? And And from there, they can, you know, they can proceed. Now, to your question, you know, what happens when, you know, you didn't register your trademark or you haven't even protected because sometimes you don't even need to register it. It might be, you know, through use that you require, you know, your rights. But let's imagine that you get a letter from a third party uh, challenging the use of that trademark. I think in most of the cases, you know, companies that already have trademarks, what they want to make sure is that no one is taking advantage of, you know, their trademarks. And quite often, you know, if you act, I'm talking about entrepreneurs, if you immediately react in good faith, and you try to, you know, find an agreement, find a deal, so that you don't make any more usage of the trademark that already belongs to a third party, you're going to probably be fine.
0: Right. What do you have a, I'm sure you have Minty, many, 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 many crazy stories. But Can you share your most like, oh my gosh, story where you're like, I can't believe this is happening to this client that you had to represent one time when, I mean, things can get ugly if people have a business for 10 years and they don't realize that another company has been using something for 30 years until they stumble upon it. So are there any stories that you can share with us where it easily could have been fixed if they just had a trademark?
1: Well, I mean, I would have to go really, you know, long time ago in my, in my practice, probably more than 20 years ago. So unfortunately, and you know, I, I do not recall, you know, some of these stories, <laughs> but I would say, you know, generally speaking, uh, as I said, you know, it very much depends, you know, to whether, you know, you use the trademark that belongs to somebody else without knowing it and therefore in good faith or whether you were doing that already knowing that, you know, that belongs to somebody else, because that makes a big difference. Uh, If you were in good faith, probably, you know, there's going to be good faith as well on the other side. And they're going to just, you know, send you a cease and desist letter, and you're going to be fine with that. But I think the lesson to be learned by any entrepreneur, businesswoman or businessman is when I start my business, as part of my checklist, you know, I should make sure to, you know, have my trademark and have it properly protected and make sure that it's distinctive.
0: Right. So you can go to the website and apply for a trademark. You don't have to have an attorney. Is that right?
1: Well, well, in most of the cases, you might be able to do it without an attorney. That's correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. When would be a, like, how would I know? Like, I should I just go online and go to the website and apply? Like, at what point do you think that people, you would suggest, like, I would just go to a trademark attorney. Like, is there a certain um, income goal level or how would I know if it's okay to just do it on the website versus hiring someone?
1: Well, I think, you know, one criteria for sure is, you know, How ambitious are you about your company?
0: Sometimes people, I don't feel like people know, like I didn't know, like when I started my business, I didn't have the goal to like build an empire of educating creatives. Like that's, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so, I mean, although I have changed my business name multiple times, um, but it is really important. And do countries operate differently about trademarks? So for example, if somebody in, if I'm in the United States and someone in Europe or someone in Canada has the same name as me, does that matter? So is it like a global thing?
1: Yeah, it's within a system. So a trademark right, of course, you know, sometimes, you know, trademarks are the same in many countries. I mean, you take, you know, big corporations, you know, you take Nike, you take Apple, you take Amazon. It's the same trademark. And, you know, to get that brand protection filings in the different countries and each and every country. But, for example, you know, you're a small business, you're an entrepreneur, you're starting your business here in the U.S., and then you want to go to Canada, you'll have to protect your right as well in Canada.
0: So it, so basically, it's like, where do you do business? and
1: Exactly. Gotcha. Where do you do business? Where do you, you know... Plan to do business in the future. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you should be looking at.
0: Gotcha. And then from a expectation of consumers, um, and I know, like you know, there's been so much talk about millennials and how they want to start their own company, and it's all about quality of life, and da 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 da. da. But now, the older I get, a new generation is coming up. So, what are those expectations of emerging consumers, like Gen Z, for example, like What are they, are they armed with different information?
1: Well, I think, you know, they're armed with probably far more information than we have, in the sense that they go far more on social media. Uh, They have different, uh, let's say, consumer behaviors. And they're very much into, you know, uh, I mean, they're buying with purpose um in the sense that you know they are looking at you know goods and services that match their own values their own ethics so they're very much for example on authenticity they're very much on sustainability on corporate social responsibility and that's a trend that we've been able to identify and i think that's something that businesses need to think about
0: yeah because yeah, I was going to ask you, like, globally, since this, like, I know that INTA is a global organization, and you probably, being the leader of that, you probably see so many different things. I mean, even myself, like, going to different countries with this entrepreneur organization that I'm in, it's like, what we do and how we do things or see things and conduct business in the U.S. is not how they do it in some of some other countries. It's just... And and it can be very challenging. And so I was wondering, like, from a global perspective, what are those trends? And how are business owners reacting to those trends in order to keep up?
1: Well, I think, you know, the trends globally, you know, of course, you know, they, uh, they vary, you know, region to region and country to country. But I think, you know, if you look at Gen Zers, and we did a study at INTA, it's available on our website. We did a study last year, on you know Gen Z's perception of brands and perception of counterfeiting, and it's you know the responses are pretty similar no matter where you know those Gen Z's come from, and they all you know they all agree that you know uh, authenticity, ethics, sustainability are key values to them. They're all on social media, uh, and they all want to buy with a certain you know purpose with a certain objective. Um, I think that's coming to all of them.
0: Gotcha. So for the organization specifically, if someone wanted to be part of INTA, what are are you all looking for in terms of are you growing your membership to help educate entrepreneurs um, and mainly people who've been in business for a long time? time because, again, they may not be on social media like the newer generations. And so are you all looking to expand so that the more members you have globally, the more you can help educate the businesses who are more seasoned?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, of course, you know, we're, we're a global organization and we're always interested in, in expanding in terms of membership because that helps us. And we're a volunteer-based organization. So that means that you know, by growing our membership, not only we can better protect the needs of more brand owners, but at the same time, we have a larger volunteer bandwidth that allows us to do more things. And as I said you know, at the beginning, you know, it's really about getting better laws to, to better protect brand owners and better protect consumers. So we do a lot of, you know, we do some pro bono work, we do a lot of education. We try to you know, uh, train officials, examiners of IP offices, but we do also educate the younger generation of the risks of counterfeits, for example, which is really a problem, not only for big corporations, but also for SMEs and entrepreneurs. I mean, if you have a great product that you're launching and that is being copied, so as to say, so when that is you know, counterfeited and you have knockoffs of your products, That means that, you know, you're losing market share on the one side and on the other side, if those knockoffs are poor quality, that's going to have an impact on your reputation on the market. And ultimately, it's going to have an impact on your sales.
0: So, so I know a lot of ladies are listening. And so for example, if you, I know that this happens a lot. It's funny that you're in New York because the last time that I was in the city, um, you know, you've got Louis Vuitton purses and wallets and hats and And then they recently merged and took over the Tiffany's brand, which in the luxury wedding market is a huge brand. So you've got Tiffany's and Louis Vuitton merging. And so, which makes it even more important to make sure that the Louis Vuitton brand is being streamlined. But then you've got these people on the streets of New York city who are doing imitation purses and and all of that. So is that really a good example of how the, people are really, it's a crime, isn't it? I mean, it's illegal, right?
1: It's absolutely illegal. It's definitely a crime. And let me tell you something else and more important. You know, when you're buying, you know, these kind of knockoffs or counterfeited products in the streets of New York or wherever else, you're somehow supporting organized crime. Yeah. because clearly behind, you know, the people who are selling you those bags or handbags or cosmetics or whatever, you know, there are normally, you know, organized, there are organizations that are bringing those products to, to the country. And these are organized crime that, you know, have connections with drug trafficking, with mm-hmm. terrorism, with international terrorism. It is a big concern. It's a big concern to us. And, and you know, It really bothers me as CEO of INTA to see sometimes, you know, on Fifth Avenue, people selling counterfeits. And what really bothers me is that people come to New York to visit New York, and they're thinking about, you know, buying knockoffs. And they're thinking about going to Fifth Avenue or going to Canal Street to buy these kind of knockoffs. These are not the reasons why we would like people to come to New York, to be honest.
0: Right. And it just, it blows my mind because, and it's not like, I just see it, I mean, as a woman with purses, but also um, I noticed it with sunglasses (laughs) and it's just the quality of buying a brand product. People are like, oh, you're just paying for the brand. And it's like, no, there's a certain level of expectation that a consumer has that when they go buy a Tiffany's ring, they're going to get a certified diamond, they're going to get something that's not going to fall out of a band if they're getting married with it. You know, there's these certain things and it, it is, it's awful, like for a brand, but I mean, how do we as consumers, how do we help stop that? I mean, other from, uh, like aside from not buying a purse and by the way, like you have to have a shit ton of cash. They're like, yeah, $400, you know, and again, it's like, They're taking the cash and, you know, you you are completely contributing. Typically, drug trafficking is involved. My brother has a PI company. Our dad was an undercover drug officer. And so all, all the drugs that went back and forth on trains, our dad was part of that, like basically busting people. And so then my brother followed in his footsteps. And so people in large cities don't understand that all these little things that seem so innocent of just buying a purse on the road, like if you think of the big picture and what that really can lead to, um, it's really terrifying. And it actually, to me, just brings more criminals to the city.
1: Well, I mean, let me take, you know, your example on sunglasses, for example. So, you know, when you're buying a a branded product, you're buying a certain quality. Uh, You're buying, you know, the research and development that has been taking place to develop those glasses properly. If instead you're buying a knockoff, I mean, make sure, be careful, you know, what might happen to your eyes. Uh, the quality of course you know there is a good reason why knockoffs are far cheaper than the branded products and it's because the quality is not there and in some cases you know that you know lack of quality might have a huge impact on your own health uh, take you know sunglasses, take cosmetics, take pharmaceuticals, take alcoholic beverages you know and and you know all industry sectors are impacted today by counterfeits. It's it's really very concerning. What would you
0: say is the like the top three industries that like are purses and sunglasses like the top two? Or I mean I'm my experience is so limited with it, but what are the I would top?
1: probably say I would probably say, you know, and you know it would be electronics, uh fashion, cosmetics uh, all these products, you know, are you know, subject to, uh, counterfeiting for sure.
0: So in electronics, do you mean like Apple having AirPods and then someone saying that they're Apple AirPods, but they're not?
1: Yeah. I'm talking about AirPods, you know, that are, you know, copying any branded AirPods. I'm talking about the chargers. Uh, I mean, there was, you know, one, uh, Um, testing exercise that was done on multiple chargers that were imported from China. And I think it was as high as, you know, 90% of them were counterfeits. And, you know, and many of them failed. And, you know, when they failed the test, that means that, you know, you can, you know, put your house on fire. I mean that's that's a reality. So, and and my advice to consumers, because I think that's the most important point, is you know, all right. So as a customer, as a consumer, you know, what you what should you do? Well, first, I mean, I would avoid buying you know counterfeits or knockoffs because you're not going to get value for money, no matter how cheap it is. And second, you're going to put your health, you know, at risk in many cases. And third, you're somehow contributing to something that is not good for society, for sure. Now, how can you identify that a product is a fake product? Well, quite often it has to do with price. If the price is far cheaper than the price of the regular product, you should at least think twice about buying it.
0: You know, and we really, like, this is not a funny story, but um, it, it is too funny to me now. I'm like, of course this would happen to me. So where I used to live, um, I had great internet. It was at a condo and I wanted to get a bigger condo. And so I moved r- same floor, right, a few doors down, but I was facing a different direction. It's like I was north and now I'm south. And so my internet, just a few doors down, was terrible. The speed was terrible. Everything was terrible. I had, you know, all the, um, there's two major carriers where I live, like Comcast and AT&T out. And they're both like, you're just in a shitty part. Like, I'm sorry. And everything was slow. And like, when we're dealing with videos and and we're streaming things and have people editing, like I need fast internet. And so I go on Amazon and I mean, I do my homework, you know, I don't just buy the first thing that pops up, but I have prime. And so I went on Amazon and I started to research boosters and I read some reviews and bought this booster. It's probably 150 bucks. And, you know, I watched a YouTube video on how to put it outside and nail it to my window or whatever I did. I mean, it wasn't hard and it did make my internet go faster. It's crazy. So I had it for a couple months. I didn't think anything of it. I was good. And then one day I come home and there is a little door tag from some company and with a man's name and phone number on it. And then it also had a business card from the sheriff's department. (laughs) I'm like, what is this? And do they have the right door? And so, no, it was addressed to me, and it had my name on it, and it said, like, call this number as soon as possible. And so I call, and it's like 9 o'clock at night. It was late. And this man's like, ma'am, you have a device in your home that is picking up. Basically, it was interfering with the radio signals that was going between police officers and ambulance, people that drove ambulances and they sent this specialist who covers the South to drive down roads in na- downtown Nashville because I did live by a hospital um, and and the fire and police station and all that to track down uh, this, this little box. And I'm like, is this a joke? Like, this is like some Ghostbusters shit. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, well, can I come... Um, when you're going to be home and investigate your home, because I still didn't know what the heck the guy was talking about, and you know my my brother being an ex cop, I'm like sure, but I scheduled it when he was going to be there because it, it kind of scared me. It was like freaky, and so the guy comes over, he goes right to my deck, and he's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "That's a." an internet signal booster and he's like that's the machine that's causing the fr- the frequency he said that is illegal you got that on amazon i'm like yeah i can show you where i got it on amazon and he's like well it's a good thing that you contacted me when you did because if you had 7 days and if not it's a felony and you you can go to jail <laughs> like holy cow Um, he's like, you need to return it to Amazon, get your money back and let them know that you have a fraudulent product because this is not, it wasn't, um, approved by the United States. And I'm like, of course this shit would happen to me. Like, oh my God. And so I got somebody from Amazon and I'm like, I need a booster, but I want to make sure that I'm getting something that's freaking legal. Like, I don't want to go to jail. But it's like, again, you don't know these freak things, but it it was, it was like a total counterfeit product. And now I'm like, great, are people coming through my internet? And then I'm going to get hacked. And so there's these bigger problems that you just don't think about until you're called out on it. So are there other things that like, it, it seems like you hear of it every day where it's like people don't know what they don't know, like besides And is that, is that like something normal that you hear of, or is that just like a freak thing that happened to me?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I would say it's kind of exceptional. And at the same time, unfortunately it's not, but, uh, but I would say, you know, yes, you know, there are sadly, you know, you can find, you know, many counterfeits online Uh, at the same time, I think, you know, the different platforms are becoming better and better in on the one side informing consumers, and second, you know, if there is any issue being able to return those products that are knockoffs or, you know, fakes, and also what we call takedowns. So, you know, as soon as, you know, a platform knows that, you know, somebody is selling, you know, fake products, they would remove those products from the offering. And that's something that, you know, we're paying a lot of attention as an organization, because it's a big concern to us. And, and you know, fortunately, Uh, We have, you know, the brand owners that are, you know, members of INTA, but we do have as well the platforms that are INTA members, and we're trying to work hand in hand on that because, you know, basically what we want is is to make sure that we protect consumers properly.
0: So would you say, because I know that you guys are huge in the US, China, Europe, would you say that in the US, it's much more of a problem than it is in Europe and China?
1: You know, a lot of counterfeits do come from China, Um, you know, well-known Chinese brands, you know, like other countries as well, you know, organized crime and having their channels. But, you know, there is counterfeits in kind of all industry sectors and there are counterfeits in kind of all countries.
0: Does your organization specifically represent products or does it also have to do with like music?
1: Uh, No, we're mostly, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, products and services, not as much with uh, music. Uh, We do look into that somehow. This is more kind of, you know, copyright matters. And we're looking to these kind of things more from a legal perspective. But we are, you know, as our name says, we're, you know, the International Trademark Association. So we're mostly looking into brands and brand protection.
0: Gotcha it just it reminds me of when I was in college and eBay first came out, and then that 's where the whole purse thing started of like well this isn't a real you know Kate Spade or whatever and then then it started with music and Napster, and then it got you know had all this music and then it got shut down, and then you could and then i 've seen it happen with like movies like the new movies that are coming out that you can. Get the go on this website, and it's like a blacklist website, and you could download the movies and but it's like as a consumer, you are opening yourself up to so many bad things that could happen with viruses, and you know you just you never know what what can happen and so as a cons- like how can consumers protect themselves from from all of this because again, like innocently i've been you know, taken for an idiot by a booster. And I'm sure that there's other things that I've done too with sunglasses and purses, but how can consumers other than not buy things on the street of New York, how can they help? How can they be involved and know that they're making a bad purchase?
1: So let me put it this way, the same way that you would not buy a Tiffany ring on the streets, but we would rather go to a Tiffany store. When you go online, you should go to the website of the company, of the brand you're looking for. And if you don't want to go to the original website, so as to say, or the original home site, at least when you're going on different platforms, uh, check the price and see whether the price is the average price for this kind of product. If it's far cheaper than the average price, you should probably think twice. I'm not saying that in every case it's going to be a fake product or, you know, a fake service that is being provided to you, but there might be good chances of it.
0: So we can trust like larger anchor stores, for example. So like a Macy's, a Nordstrom, a Dillard's, you know, they all carry Louis Vuitton purses and shoes and hats and scarves and now attire and now jewelry. And so I I feel like that's one way that like you said, you know, you can support the bigger stores, but they often run great sales. They have great coupons. (laughs) I know Macy's does. Um, And so there has to be some type of program or something that if you know that you're buying it from a larger department store, like it's the real thing, right? I mean, that's regulated, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, normally, you know, large department stores, I think, you know, they're very professional, the way they handle the relationship with their suppliers, Mm -hmm. and they make sure to have original products. So yes, I would say, you know, when you go to a large department store, your better chances to get, you know, original products and not to buy any kind of knockoffs and fakes.
0: Gotcha. I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating to me. Uh, it's, it's crazy. So if people want to educate themselves more as a resource, would you say for them to go to INTA.org, would that be the best source of education?
1: That's certainly, you know, one option. Uh, we have a lot of information about, you know, what are trademarks, what do they stand for, the different type of trademarks that do exist. And then, you know, we do provide some kind of information about, you know, counterfeits and some advice about, you know, how to recognize that. But otherwise, you have many consumer associations that do provide a lot of, you know, relevant information that is helpful as well to consumers.
0: And I know that you guys do a huge annual meeting, and that's coming up in April of 2020 in Singapore. How do, how would we know if we're a good fit to cut? Like, I know it, it truly is the world's largest gathering of like all the brand owners and intellectual property professionals is, can anybody come to that if they own a business or who would be a good fit to come to that conference?
1: Well, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's more a conference for IP professionals, but you know, certainly business owners that might be interested into IP are very welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, You just need to go into our website and register for the conference. We do expect 10,500 attendees from all around the world, and it's going to be five days of meetings, sessions, working sessions. So anyone interested should go into our website and find the information about the annual meeting.
0: That's awesome. Is there one platform on social media that you, you all release more on, or are you all on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, you're on all of them?
1: Uh, We're on all of them. I mean, we're definitely on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram.
0: Awesome. And we'll put all of that information in the show notes with links and is the annual meeting in Singapore every year or do you guys change locations? No, we
1: change every year. We do, you know, we do, uh, two years in, I mean, normally U.S., North America, and then the third year we go outside and we do a rotation between Europe and Asia Pacific.
0: That's awesome. Well, guys, we'll put it in the show notes. And thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. And I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening today, their eyes have been open. And you it just makes you think differently before you make a purchase, not only for yourself or your gifts or companies. Like, you're really affecting people if you're not supporting the right organization or the right brand. So any final thoughts? closing
1: thoughts. (laughs) It was a pleasure chatting with you, Angela. And, uh, you know, we're always happy to, you know, answer any kind of questions. And I would say to, you know, the listeners of the podcast, I mean, please go on INTA website. I mean, you'll find a lot of relevant information
0: awesome. So guys, it's I-N-N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, org. So check out the website. Also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. I particularly like the videos on YouTube because I like to learn from videos. And again, we'll put all of the notes in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. And y'all thank you so much for listening to another episode of Business Unveiled. And Tune in next week to make sure that you don't miss any juicy details on how to grow your business. Have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders and be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. And you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at GSDleader underscore, and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great
1: resources, visit angelaprofit.com.